You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 42 of Take About Podcast. It's your host, Eli Tokash, and I'm so excited to be here with you all today and reunite with someone who played my mom in my second production that I did with Finding Neverland on the first national equity tour. With that being said, before we turn it over to the interview, as always, let's have a little conversation and let's talk about what's going on in Broadway and in the world. First of all, spring is here and I'm so excited. It feels so good to like actually be able to go outside in like a sweatshirt and not like a whole winter coat, you know, like it's nice. I don't know. It's just me, maybe not, but I'm excited because spring is here and we are getting closer to warmer weather and hopefully that will help everything with the virus and everything like that because I know the cold isn't helping. The cold never bothered me anyway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, I know that wasn't Broadway news, but I just had to say it because I'm excited for spring. And two more things before we get over to Broadway news. Last episode, it was with Lena Hall. Actually, I think it was our longest episode ever. So if you enjoyed that episode uh, and you enjoyed Lena and you're, you're interested in watching her new TV show, Snowpiercer with the V Diggs and all of these other incredible actors, I mean, the cast is incredible. I mentioned that you could watch it on TNT and HBO Max, but I realized that not everyone has that. And so I did find that there was one more option. You could watch it if you're an Amazon Prime member on Prime Video. So if you have that and you you do want to watch Snowpiercer, but you don't have HBO Max or TNT or whatever it may be, and you do have Amazon Prime, go check it out because... It's really worth it, and it's a really good show, and I'm addicted, so that's that's a little spiel about that. And one more thing, podcast merch. Okay, so we now have Take About Podcast merch. I mean, I, I didn't think that I would ever see this logo on, like, a piece of clothing or really anything, but hey, here we are. So exciting things are in the works. We have a bunch of sweatshirts, t-shirts, and hats right now. But they are exclusively available for our patrons on Patreon. So if you're interested in merchandise, please go check out Patreon. It comes with a bunch of other awesome benefits that I think are really cool. And we'll get to connect a little bit more. But also, if you want some merch and you don't want to become a Patreon, reach out to me because we may be able to work something out. So right now, they're exclusively on Patreon or special requests. So let me know. Check out Patreon if you're interested in merch. 
and it's really cool. So if you become a Patreon of the $25 per month tier, you will be able to get free merchandise of your choice. Any sizes are available. The picture of what the merchandise looks like is on Patreon or our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter at Take About Podcast. So go check those out. Also, and you'll hear a little bit more about this in the interview and why this is important, but we also offer video episodes for everyone to watch the episodes while listening. So like you'll get to actually see what I'm seeing while I record these episodes. And those are incredibly helpful. It's cool to put faces on people. And also during this episode, Christine shows me a few things that like if you're just listening to it, you may like not understand it. But if you're watching it, you'll be able to understand it and you'll see the really cool things that she shows me. So that's always an option. Go check it out at patreon.com slash TAB for fun stuff. Oh my God. And there's one more thing before we get to the Broadway news. I'm so sorry. Okay. So the Broadway Podcast Network, which is the network that Take a Bow is on, they now have just created an app. So if you are a fan of Broadway, you probably listen to a lot of podcasts on the Broadway Podcast Network because all the Broadway podcasts and like all the theater podcasts in general are all kind of on the Broadway Podcast Network. So if you're a big fan of those, go check out the Broadway Podcast Network's new app. And that features all the Broadway Podcast Network's podcasts. And it's super easy to access. I've listened to Josh Wallow's Broadway, which is Josh Lehman, who we've had on. I listened to E-Ticket to Broadway. I listened to Little Me with Mark Tuminelli. He had me on the show. He had me and Sydney on the show, actually, if you listened when Sydney was a co-host of mine. Mark Tuminelli. Oh, Salisha Thomas, who was a guest on our podcast, Take a Bow podcast. Salisha Thomas. She has black hair in the big leagues. So... If you're interested and you listen to a bunch of BPN podcasts, it's super easy. I love the app. It's super accessible, super easy, uh, super organized. It, it really is just makes life easier. So go check that out. It's a free app and follow along. So, okay. Sorry, everyone. We're, we're finally making it to the Broadway news. There's been a lot of things happening on Broadway lately. I mean, like, it's kind of incredible and it's great. It's great look for Broadway. We don't even have shows and there's like so much going on and it's, it's incredible. And yes, we may not have shows right now, but y'all, Broadway's reopening is coming. Like, I really think that we're close and we're getting closer to an announcement of getting the lights back on. So hopefully that comes soon. Hopefully they figure it all out and hopefully, you know, we get to go see our favorite shows. With that being said, there are shows already being announced for what's coming. Obviously, due to COVID and like quarantine and everything there was a couple announcement of shows closing. So now with Broadway's reopening near, there were two shows that were announced what's coming. One being The Piano Lesson is going to be revived and it will star Samuel L. Jackson. It'll star Danielle Brooks and John David Washington. I mean, talk about a cast, right? I mean, I didn't see the the first production of The Piano Lesson, so I'm so excited to see the revival, especially with this cast. I think it's going to be fantastic. And it was already announced that a performance is going to be filmed for Netflix. So that's always so cool to see Broadway being represented on a wider market like TV and film and on Netflix and stuff like that. I think it's great for Broadway. I think it's great for the people in the show. I think it's great for everyone. I'm just really excited for that. And another show that was announced that will be coming to Broadway 
is that the Queen's Gambit is going to be turned into a Broadway show. And to be honest with you, like, I don't really know how I feel about that. Like, okay, I've heard nothing but great things about Queen's Gambit. I just want to address that. And I have not personally seen it. So I'm sorry, like, speaking out of terms. But honestly, like, why? (laughs) Like, why? Because, I mean, not to be like, bashing the queen's gambit or anything because i heard it's amazing but it's just another like movie and tv series that is like turned into a musical and it's not like original and i think that broadway's kind of like getting away from that and i think it's something that we really really need especially during these times and i mean like and we had like a year in quarantine and covid and everything like i'm shocked that there hasn't been announced like something a new idea isn't coming out yet i mean like the two shows that were announced is going to be a revival and a tv show i mean i think both productions are going to be great i'll definitely go see both i'll definitely support both but if anyone's listening that's a writer please write we need some original stuff on broadway because you know it's always so much better like going to a show than you have like no clue like what's gonna happen in the story and blah 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 long story short if you're a writer just write i think broadway needs some more original stuff maybe that's just me maybe that's an unpopular opinion but i just had to address it with that being said there was also a lot of news surrounding take about previous guests so let's get into that caitlin kinnanen is going to be the star of a brand new CW pilot. It is currently untitled, but more information is coming soon. And I will definitely keep you all updated on that and just like set out reminders because that's a really cool thing. She's really excited. It's one of her first TV shows. I talked to her a little bit about it. She's so excited and it's going to be crazy to like have her first like starring like role on a TV show during this time. If you follow Caitlin on social media or whatever, go give her congratulations and give her words of encouragement because that is awesome. And she truly deserves it because she's one of the nicest people I know. Speaking of Caitlin Kinnanen, who was the previous Take a Bow guest, she and another previous Take a Bow guest, Kelly O'Hara, will be a part of the Bridges of Madison County panel that is going to be on YouTube Monday, March 15th. And it's going to be benefiting the Actors Fund, but it's going to be on YouTube for free just with like the donations to the Actors Fund as an option. So if you're a fan of either of the two, I mean, there's a lot of other actors, of course, that's going to be there. But if you listen to their show and you really fell in love with them as people... Go check that out. They're incredible people. They're insanely talented. So I'll be tuning into that panel. Can't wait for that. It's going to be amazing. Starring two Take a Bow previous guests, Caitlin Kinnanen and Kelly O'Hara, benefiting the Actors Fund. It was also announced that uh, a previous Take a Bow guest, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, you may remember her episode. She was in Us. She was in The Lion King on Broadway and the live adaptation of it. And then we talked a little bit about her new project, Them Covenant. And that was announced that that will be coming to Amazon Prime Video on April 9th. And the trailer was released a couple days ago. So go check that out if you haven't. And stay tuned for April 9th to watch Shahadi Wright Joseph in Them Covenant. Okay, and the last bit of news before we turn it over to the interview. I'm sorry, this is a lot of information, but there's so much going on and I love it. And I just wanted to tell you all a little bit about it. So the Green Room 42 
is going to be reopening next month. And it already has an insane lineup like Lilius White, who's literally a Broadway legend, and Erica Henningsen from Mean Girls, the Skeevies, all kind of incredible artists who will be back at the Green Room 42, right where they left off before COVID. And that'll be next month. And I'm so excited that it's already coming back. Lilius White is going to be kicking off the incredible reopening. And that will be April 2nd. So the Green Room 42 is like a 54 below. It's a cabaret space where, you know, you'll have your favorite actors, your singers, your artists, whatever. And they'll do like a little show, kind of like a one person show, like cabaret style. So that's always fun. And I always keep my eye out on those shows too, because tickets are cheaper than a Broadway show. (laughs) And it's great. And I think it's a lot of fun. And they're super interactive during the shows. Um, So I think it's a great place to go to and have a fun night of theater without paying a Broadway ticket price. Uh, so check check it out, Green Room 42. Oh, uh, some more exciting news. My friends, Keegan-Michael Key, who I did, I was in Netflix's Friendsome College with, and my friend who I did The Greatest Showman readings with, Cynthia Arrivo, will be in the live-action Pinocchio. I mean, I'm so excited for that. I think that they're going to be so good. Cynthia Arrivo is literally going to play like a fairy godmother. Like, I'm so excited for that. And her voice is like incredible. Key and Michael Key, he was in the prom. He was in Friends of College. He was in, he's the substitute teacher, Key and Peel. Meteor Shower, you know him. All of these incredible shows. So he's going to be in that with her. Some more Broadway meets TV and film and all of that. It's great. It's a great look for Broadway. It's a great look for them. Everyone, it's a win-win for all. I can't wait. And one last thing before we turn it over to the interview. Tomorrow... Friday, March 12th, will mark the one-year anniversary of Broadway being shut down. Yes, I know. I can't believe it's a year. This podcast has basically been going on for a year now because when Broadway shut down, I really didn't even start it until like Broadway shut down. Uh, It was more just a thought. And the fact that you know Broadway shut down kind of accelerated the whole thing, and here we are today. But it's also truly inspiring to see how the community and everyone as far as actors, audience members, like everyone, producers, all of them, um, how everyone's come together to continue to create art and to continue to get through these challenging times. It's been really, really cool. And I think it just proves why the Broadway community is so special. So with that being said, let's turn it over to some real entertainment in Christine Dwyer. Christine was in the Alphaba in Wicked, and she was literally, she's been a part of the Wicked like franchise for uh, six years, like longer. And she was in Waitress, and she was in Finding Neverland with me, and she was in Rent, and all of these amazing things. So we get into all of that. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the interview. Christine Dwyer, curtain up. Okay, so for today's guest, she is literally one of my favorite people who I can't wait to catch up with. It's been way too long. She has played at least one of your favorite all-time female roles in musical theater history, and we're going to dive into all of that. So welcome to Take a Bow, Christine Dwyer. I'm so... 
I'm so excited to have you on and talk about all these amazing things that we're going to talk about today. I was like doing research and I was like, oh my God, she's like literally played all of the like iconic roles. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. This is so exciting. I love it. Yes, I know. And I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and we can like kind of reminisce about you playing my mother in Finding Neverland and all these great things. But before we get into that, let's kind of get into what caused this mess that we're both in what got you into theater and what like inspired you to do it and how did you go about it you know i don't come from a particularly theatrical family but my family likes the arts a lot i grew up where music was always a big part of my life my mom took me to my first play at the north shore music theater when i was five years old And she said that I kind of sat there totally mesmerized by the whole process, but she wasn't sure. She bought a seat all the way in the back of the theater next to the door, just in case I needed to leave and couldn't pay attention and and was bothering anybody. And she said that like from the moment that the show started, I just, I was like completely mesmerized, but I wasn't laughing. I wasn't necessarily like being an audience member yet. I was just kind of entranced by it. So she wasn't Mm -hmm. sure if I liked it or not until we got in the car on the way home. And I was really silent. She, you know, she was like, did you like the play? And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be up there. And she was like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. And, you know, years later, the school play kind of rolls around and I say, I want to audition for it. And yeah. then one audition and one play turned into every single year, filling up my my school year with as many plays as I possibly could be involved in without letting my my grades dip and stuff like that. And yeah, it, it really wasn't until my junior year of high school that I officially made the decision that, that, that this is what I really wanted to do because col- sure. not going to college was not an option for my family. So when I thought about what I wanted to go to school for and what I wanted to continue studying, this was the only thing that I could really think of. And yeah, so I I ended up auditioning at a bunch of places and got into the Hart School at the University of Hartford. And I went there and graduated with a BFA. And then pretty much right after graduation, I I went on a national tour of rent as Maureen. And from then on, I just kind of kept doing stuff and moved to New York. And the rest is, is history. I love that. Oh my god, the college audition process is absolutely insane. I literally like I'm yeah, it's it's awful. I'm in the process right now and it's just absolutely a nightmare every day. And it's also like not helpful when you're just like playing the waiting game and like you're over and you're just waiting for the decisions. But I'm in that process right now and it's crazy. Like I'm so thankful that I kind of know what to expect and I already know what kind of goes into it, but I could not imagine just making that decision and figuring out how to audition for colleges and schools and all of that. I I bet that was like a crazy time in your life. It was. And I think it was a crazy time for my parents too, because they were also just learning about what that meant. You know, they had been through the college process with my sister, but the college audition process is like a whole other thing. And so they were kind of along with me, as well as my voice teacher, um, Noelle Smith, who's still currently my voice teacher. I still go to her. I've been going to her since I was, yeah, I've been going to her since I was 13 years old. And now I have become an acting like professor in her vocal studio, which is pretty cool. Um, And that's kind of happened like during the Yeah. But she says that, you know, I was like, I was her first student to really go into musical theater. A lot of her students went into vocal performance and stuff, which 
is is a completely different audition process. Um, but the musical theater kind of thing, like we were sort of learning together. And now she has this big vocal studio where a bunch of people have have gone on to go to school for this or have been on Broadway or have been on national tours. So, but but she says, you know, that she kind of learned from going through it with me what what to do and what not to oh, do, wow. you know, as, as you go forward. So yeah, it was definitely when I, when I look back and think of what my college audition was, I realize how completely ignorant I was <laughs> back then to have picked. Oh the no. Material. Well, you know, to pick the material that I did and to just sort of be so, I mean, pun intended, I guess, but to be so green when I was going through it. Yeah. But, it was just, it was insane, but I got very lucky that I actually got into, um, into a great school and ended up going. But I mean, I will say, I think, I think I auditioned, I applied to like 16 or 17 schools and 13 of them were audition programs. And so I auditioned at about 13 programs and I only got into two. <laughs> so for anyone out there who is going through this process and feeling crazy, like you can get into no schools and you can still figure out a way to be in this industry. You can go to school for something completely different and still find a way to get into this industry. You can go to the best school in this industry in the world and it's still hard to break into this industry. So everybody's path is different and valid and the audition process is insane. And and I just would urge people to not, to not take anything about the college audition process too personally because it truly isn't and it doesn't, not, not that it didn't help me to go too hard because it absolutely did. But I think if you're really passionate about this and if you, this is really what you want to do, no matter, no matter where you go or where you don't go, you'll find a way to, to have this be a part of your life and you will find a way to get into this industry one way or the other. It's all about persistence and passion and all of that. So I will, that was a little bit of a tangent, but I will say that. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. I can't agree more with everything that you just said. So you mentioned that you literally graduated college and went on tour with Rent. Yeah. What is that like? Just being so young and going on tour and like going with a bunch of strangers and doing this musical across the country. What? I mean, it was it was insane. It's insane to think about it now, but at the time I didn't really know any better. Mm. I I actually left school and I was sort of burnt out on musical theater, so I took a road trip across the country to LA and I was going to live there and I was going to try to figure out maybe like TV film. I wasn't really sure if musical theater was for me. And so I drove out there and one of my best friends, Douglas Lyons, who has been a bunch of Broadway shows but is also a TV writer and he's written a bunch of musicals. He's part of the writing group Lions and Pakchar, and they're like on the up and up, which is so cool. And I'm so mm. proud of him. But he actually pretended to be my agent and sent in my headshot and oh resume to Kelsey and said, you know, this person should be seat because he had been on the rent tour the year before and he knew that they were looking for a Maureen. And he also knew that I was kind of burnt out on musical theater and I wasn't really sure if I was going to do it. And he didn't want me to give up. So he um, he sent in my headshot and resume to Telsey and he called me and said, hey, you have an audition. You have to come back to the East Coast and audition for the show. And uh, I did. And then oh, maybe like God. a week and a half later, I had a call back 
And then a week after that, they had relocated me to New York and I was living with the company manager in a hotel room at the Edison Ballroom, uh, at the Edison Hotel. And I was living in New York City and rehearsing Uh for this show. So it was sort of like, it was so, so many circumstances had to go my way in order for all of that to happen. None of which I feel like were were my own doing. It was like so many other people and other factors kind of had to fall into place for that to happen. But I really didn't know. I didn't know what I was getting into. I was just like, I, I had just come out of, you know, theater school. And so it kind of felt like a continuation of that. It was a bunch of young people. Some had, you know, been on tour before and had already started their careers. But I would say like probably half of us or more than half of us, it was our first job. And we are all still close. Mm. We're all still on. Literally, I I have a text chain going with all of these people still after however many years. That was 2007, 2008. I went on that tour. And it was just, it was such a learning experience and a growing experience. And especially with that show in particular, it brings so many different people together. And I'm so grateful that my first introduction into the musical theater world was a show that that still really matters to people and has saved countless lives just by existing. And also, I'm really grateful that I, I had my first experience with such a diverse and different group of people, like that we, we all had our own stories to tell. And we were coming together to tell this amazing story of people from different backgrounds and different walks of life coming together and and creating a community. So that's kind of what we did. And we're still in it to this day. And I still, I've been in shows, you know, after the fact with a lot of those people, which has been super fun. And um, yeah, I'm just, I, I couldn't have asked for a better introduction into the musical theater world than that show at that time in my life. It's interesting, because I was actually going to ask that, you know, like, obviously, like the maturation process for people in arts are like, very different from like, I don't know, regular people. I don't know. I mean, we're regular people too, but you know what I mean? So coming out of college and doing a show like Rent, like, I don't know, like, that's just like mind blowing to me. Like, did you really like know at the time, like how much of an impact that show had on like people or was it kind of something that you've kind of like learn more and more every day about? Yeah, well, you know, I think both because it was the show that got me into musical theater. When I first heard, yeah, when I first heard Rent for the first time, I learned every single lyric, every single time it came to Boston, I went to go see it. It was a dream show for me to be in. I It was my favorite show. I loved that show. So I knew how important it was because it had been important to me. But it wasn't until we got into the rehearsal process and we actually learned the history of who these people actually were based off of. We met Jonathan Larson's family when the Life Cafe, which is in the show, was uh, was still around, which unfortunately it has since closed, but it was still open when we started rehearsals. They shut the place down for us and the entire cast um, went into the life cafe. We sat at the long tables, you know, we got all the food, just like, you know, the, the end of act one. And, and we watched on a big screen home videos of Jonathan Larson writing lyrics to the show. Oh my God. Having phone conversations with his friends, just random things that they had found because he video recorded himself a lot when he was playing the piano and, and coming up with these songs. 
And sometimes like he would get a phone call in the middle of recording and he wouldn't stop the record. He would get on the phone and then you would hear these phone conversations that he was having with people who were, were real people in his life that these characters that we were playing were based off of. And so it was, I think it was like oh that night that I kind of realized how insane what I was able to do, um, you know, was and was going to be and how important it was because just listening to, listening to his sister speak and just learning about things that I didn't know, like in the uh, life support group, when they're saying all the names, like, you know, uh, when, when Angel introduces themselves and, and, and there are a bunch of like Gordon is a name and, um, and uh, Alexis is a name. There are a bunch of, a bunch of different names that like come out. And those were all actual real friends of Jonathan Larson's who had died who had passed away from the AIDS virus. Mm. And so we put them in the show. And then like Maureen, you know, he was sort of loosely based on Mark and Maureen was loosely based on an ex-girlfriend of his who left him for a woman. And so there were, there were, there were so yes. many things yes. that we, that I didn't know that I just assumed, you know, were, I mean, it was based off of love OM obviously. So there, there are some things that of course are taken from that, but a lot of the, the realistic parts of the show and and the friend the friendships that are created were based off of his real life experiences and I didn't know that until actually being a part of it. So so I, I knew it I knew it I think at that moment then. But as the years have passed and as, you know, when I moved to New York, I actually met people who were living with HIV, who were who were living with AIDS, who had mm. lived through that time and lost half of their friends. And I ended up working with those people and talking to those people about that experience and learning even more how important that show was. So I think the answer to both things is like, yes, I understood what I understood then. And I continue to understand more and more why that show is important now as I get older. That's incredible. That's so cool. I love stories like that. The fact that that's the show that got you into musical theater. And then the fact that you were like able to do that as like, you're like, I don't know, like kind of what got you into the industry is it's incredible. And it's interesting, too, because like, you played Adina Menzel's role that she played, and then you ended up playing it like her role in Wicked, too. Like it, it was it's cool how like, I don't know, you've had so many full circle moments in your career, I guess. And it's just really cool to see that. With Kizik Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And speaking of w Wicked, like, let's get into that. So that's kind of crazy, okay? Like, Alphaba is literally, like, the coolest thing ever. And I have to ask, before we talk about anything else, 
what is the makeup like? Because I'm so intrigued by it. <laughs> like, like, like I know that that may not be your like average, like your common question or whatever. But like, I heard that you have to go to the theater like so many hours before just to do the makeup. Oh no, that's not true. No. <laughs> Every nope. Everybody thinks that like we have to sit there for like hours. It takes about 25 minutes. No way. Like legitimately maybe in the beginning, I'm sure in the beginning when they were just kind of like, you know, when, when Joe Delude had, had just come up with the makeup plot, I'm sure that it took a lot longer because he, he made tweaks here and there and all. And, you know, he, tr- I know that he tried like airbrushing at first so that it wouldn't rub off, but then if it did rub off, it would like come off in a sheet. And so he couldn't fix it fast enough. So then they went to the, the makeup that it is now, which actually Hold on one second. I think I actually oh might be gosh. able to get some for you. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed. I don't know if I have the makeup. The makeup is somewhere, but I do. They did give me my alphabet wig. <laughs> my Stop old- it. That's incredible. <laughs> that once I got a new one, they, they gave me my my two old ones. So this is my, my first second act wig and still literally in the braid, my first first act wig so that's pretty cool and the makeup is still on the hairline i love it (laughs) oh yeah still in there i I do i do Do you wear it (laughs) i should i should put it on i haven't haven't tried them on yet again but um but i should yeah the makeup is somewhere in my room i can't remember but like now because (laughs) around for so long there's the makeup artists there are brilliant i mean they're the best of the best and they can get it done they can get it done in way less time than a half an hour, especially like when there are mid-show switchouts. You have to. So they really mm. can get that makeup on in less than 10 minutes. It's happened to me before when I've had to when I was the standby first and I had to go on mid-show, they would they would get me ready to go in in like 7 minutes, which is insane. But, you know, when they're really like taking their time, it takes about 25 minutes to a half an hour because most of it is a bodysuit. So like from here, all your arms, like everything there is a green mesh bodysuit, like very similar to the the mesh on the hairline of the wig. So the only thing that's painted is from here down to your hands. And like they do paint this part and then, you know, in the back of your neck and in your ears and all of that. But the rest of it is a bodysuit so that it doesn't rub off in the costumes. So, you know, yeah. I, I liked to do my own hands. I would usually, if they, if the makeup artist didn't mind, it was like therapeutic for me to kind of like paint my own hands. And then they did the rest. And <laughs> basically they paint you completely green and powder your face to no end. And then essentially like draw on your expression (laughs) so it's like you're entirely green with like all this white powder everywhere and then they brush it off and they draw on your eyebrows and they you know fill in your eyes and they fill in your lips and instead of the normal like pink or or brownish like blush that you would have with your natural skin tone they put purple because that's what shows up on the green so it's like this purple eyeshadow that does all the shading but yeah it's it's a it's a crazy process and it's a it's really really cool the first time you see yourself green you know during your your put in rehearsal <laughs> it's really like intense because you know you know how iconic it is you know how much work you're about to have to go do and how much responsibility you have and then also to be an understudy and go on is like a completely different mindset too because you don't have 
you have the reps with the other understudies that you get to rehearse with, but chances are you've never been on stage playing opposite the people that you're playing opposite ever before until you're in front of an audience when you're the understudy for that mm -hmm. part. So it, it's, it's insane, but it feels like when you finish, and I think everybody like in the green girl sisterhood feels the same way. When you finish that first show, you feel like you're so relieved, but also you feel like after that, nothing is ever going to be hard again. <laughs> like, like any kind of performance that you ever have oh is like, never going to be as hard as that. <laughs> so it's kind of cool in that way because one, and once you get through that contract, once I got through that contract the first time, I was like, oh, well, if I can do that, then I can do anything. You know, not that other things weren't I love also that. difficult, but remembering how tired I was playing that part, it kind of, it, it felt like I had achieved something like on such a personal level that I've tried to carry in the rest of my career. You know, whenever I've been nervous or whenever I've felt like I haven't been able to do something, I'm like, wait, I played Alphabet though, so I can do this. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And you actually had a unique story because you started out on tour, right? And then you moved to Broadway. How did it all work out? Because it was cool. Like, it just seemed like from what I read, you just like kept climbing your way up to the top. It was so cool. I was like, that, that's Christine. I know her. That's my friend. <laughs> she played my mom. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I auditioned again. Like, I, it's the same thing for college auditions. I auditioned for that show in all, including the two dance calls that I had to go to. I auditioned for that show in the teens, like, I mean, probably 15, 16, oh, wow. 17 times. That's including callbacks and, and dance calls and all that stuff over the course of like three and a half years. My story with that show is like, it like spans almost my whole career. It spans like 10 years because I initially auditioned for the show when I was in rehearsals for Rent. And then I went on tour with Rent and then they brought me back in after that for the next couple of years. And then finally, I got the call that I was going to be the understudy in the second national tour, which is the second cover for Elphaba. So when Elphaba is out, the standby, who's the offstage cover, goes on. When the standby and Elphaba are out, then the person who understudies it from the ensemble, which is where I started, goes into the role of Elphaba. So I started there mm. and I did that for about a year. And then I moved uh, up to be the standby. And then I left and came back as Alphaba on that tour, and then I left. And then I got a call <laughs> a few months after I ended my run as Alphaba saying, we want you to be the standby on Broadway. I did the standby on Broadway for maybe only like three and a half months because my first week I got there, I learned the differences in the show. I was understudy, I was standing by for uh, Lindsay Mendez, who was the 10th year anniversary Alphaba. And she told me that there was a day that I was potentially going to be making my Broadway debut, which was super nice of her. So my family like got to go see it. But before I even yeah. got on stage at the Gershwin for the first time, I got a call from my agent saying, oh, and by the way, Lindsay's contract ends in a couple of months and you're going to be taking over for her as Alphaba. So before I even got to go on and make my Broadway debut, I found out that I was going to be taking over <laughs> again which was insane. Oh my God. And, oh, and then beyond that. So I did, so once I took over for her, I did that. I did Alphabet for a year. And then I came back a couple months later to help out with an injury. And then I left and then I came back again, asked me to come back to be the standby for a couple of months until they got somebody else. 
And I was actually supposed to go back again before Finding Neverland. And then I got Finding Neverland and I had to call Wicked and say, actually, I'm going to go on this tour. Sorry. And then my friend Laurel went into where I was going to come back and help out, which is like super cool. So yeah, my, my, oh my gosh. Yeah. My, my journey with that show, it it feels like it's kind of never ending. Like it's always kind of around and it's always been really helpful to me when I've, when I've needed a paycheck and they have room for me, like they've been able to kind of help me out in that way, which has been really great. And I love, I love the people there. Uh, It's a great crew. It's a great cast and it's a great show. It's such an iconic show to be a part of. I, I, I'm so grateful that I got to do it when I did, because I think when I got to play that part, it was like, I played it before I was in my thirties. So I think I wasn't as hard on myself when I was in my twenties as I am now to be like perfect. <laughs> so I think in a lot of ways that kind of saved me from like going crazy about it. Cause I was younger and I sort of was just like, okay, I'm doing this now. And here I am. I think if I were to take over for Elphaba now for the first time, I would be so in my head about everything. But then I wasn't as much. Sure. And I also got to, you know, understudy first. So I got to see how other people did it. I got to kind of go on a couple of times and get my stamina up before I had to do an eight show week. So yeah, I don't even remember what the question was, but that is generally my my journey with Wicked. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was the that was the question, actually. And like, I know you said that like playing the role of Alphaba is just like so rewarding as, as is just because it's Alphaba and like that role is in- incredible. But like just to hear that story and like to see like your whole experience throughout the Wicked like franchise, I guess, like that has to be rewarding too. Just like, you know, you started out on tour and then they moved you to Broadway because you were just like incredible and they like wanted, they thought like you would be perfect to, to do it on Broadway. Like that's, inc- that's insane. And then you made your Broadway debut. Just like, what does Wicked mean to you? Like as a show being your Broadway debut and just like being with it for so long, like what, like, I don't know, that has to be just so cool. Yeah. I mean, again, it was very much, it was very much like the Rent story. Rent got me into musical theater and Wicked sort of kept me in musical theater. When I was in college, that's when it was kind of first coming out. It was towards the end of my college career when it first came out and my parents got me tickets for Christmas to go see it. I saw one of Adina's final shows actually before she um, broke her ribs and got injured. Uh, I think I was there like maybe three days before that happened. And I'd always felt like a little bit of an outcast in the musical theater world. At the time I had like pink hair. I mean, I still have pink hair sometimes. I had nose ring and I had tattoos and I was (laughs) just not, and I was more of like a rock singer and I didn't fit in really. I I didn't feel like I fit in. And very much like Elphaba, when I kind of heard that story and when I heard those songs and when I saw the show, I was like, oh, that's a role that actually speaks to me that I feel like I could actually play and, and bring something to. And I just hadn't really seen a lot of roles like that in my college career. I still liked musical theater, but I just didn't really see where I fit other than things like rent and then wicked. So then to be able to do that um, and, and, and actually be there. I mean, I remember when I first got to the Gershwin and I, you know, they, they show you around cause the building is huge. I mean, it spans like two city blocks. It's huge. And it's really easy to get lost backstage when you don't know where you're going. So yeah. they took me around and whatever. And then they brought me to the front of the house 
and I re- they were rehearsing something quickly before the show. Maybe it was like a fight call or something like that. And they had me sit down and watch it. And I sat in the seat in the audience that I sat in when I saw the show for the first time. And now I was an employee, you know? Oh my gosh. It was like just such a crazy full circle moment. I definitely cried. And <laughs> that show means so much to so many people. And it means so much to me, not only, not only because it meant so much to me before I was in it, but because after being in it, you realize how important it is to people. And, and being able to achieve something like that early on in my career, it, it gave me my equity card. It gave me my Broadway debut. You know, it gave me my longest run in any show that I've that I've ever been in, and pro- like most likely, probably ever will be in. I mean, I was in the show mostly on, but off and on at the end for about six and a half years. So, oh my god, it means. I mean, it means the world to me. I, I've met my closest friends in that show, and you know, some bridesmaids of mine were from that show, and uh, I just I can't say enough about how much it mattered to me to be a part of it and how how still crazy it is to know that I'm a part of its history. Like that really in the grand scheme of how long it's yeah. been around, there aren't that many people that have played the green girl. And like the fact that I get to be one of them is incredible. And I, I never take that for granted. I know you said it earlier. Is like, do you guys call yourselves like the green girl sisterhood? Is that what you call it? Yeah, I don't know. I love that. Yeah, but it's like the Green Girl Sisterhood. So I don't know if it's still a thing, but on our tour, on the second national tour, it became a thing where there's this like green shimmer makeup that they put on your lips for the second act and a little bit like on your eyes just to to glam you up a little bit. And (laughs) they it's just part of it. And there were these like little decorative bowls that the makeup artist would dump the green powder and then, you know, do your face. And it was like always, it was always on the the makeup station. And it became a tradition on the second national tour that every, every person who was coming in to take over for Elphaba would get a decorative bowl from the Elphaba that they were taking over for. So like I got, actually, (laughs) I bet I can find it. (laughs) Yeah, there's one. That's just so cute. It's hilarious. I just have, I'm at home in Massachusetts, so I have all of my, this was my decorative bowl that Ann Brummel gave to me when I took over for her and I still have it. And this is where all of my, there's actually still literally some green shimmer in it. Um, And it became kind of a, it's hilarious and became kind of a tradition. And so, you know, when I left, Jenny Denoya took over for me and she got a decorative bowl from me and then so on. So so yeah, it does become a sisterhood because it is such a challenge to do that part. It's such a challenge mentally, physically, vocally, all of it. It's just so hard. And it's it's really hard to do it on tour too, because then you're also adding in plane travel and bus travel and interviews and all of the different cities that you're in. And, you know, there's, there's like a, a greening in every city, which means like the news crews come in and they interview you while you're getting painted green for the first matinee that you have. So you're doing an interview and you're talking after having just oh done God. a show the night before, having to do the five show weekend coming up. It's just, it's a crazy thing that until you've experienced it firsthand, it's it's hard to comprehend how much pressure you're under. So the sisterhood sort of is has become this thing that once you've done it, you're all connected. Like you all understand 
you all understand the random anxieties that come up as you've done the show or while you're doing the show. I try every single alphabet that comes in. I try to reach out to them on some sort of social media platform to be like, Hey, if you ever need someone to talk to. And like, I would say 10 times out of 10, they do like you need someone to talk to at some point. That's amazing. Yeah. And your time playing that part where you're like, okay, I'm feeling crazy because my voice feels like this and I'm tired and I don't feel, you know, like I, I feel like I, I go out there and I, I don't know what I'm doing and all just all of the anxieties and, and, and questions that you're like constantly asking yourself doing that. The only people, the only other people that really understand it are the people who have done it. So it has, it becomes this like kind of sacred place where you just get each other in in a way and you get that like, right. I don't want to call it like a trauma, but it, but in some ways it is, it, and it shocks your system so much. You feel like you'll never be able to get through a full contract and then you do. And it's like insane. It's just, it feels insane. So yeah, I've, that's probably my favorite thing, honestly, to come out of that experience is that sisterhood of actors that we just like get each other. We respect each other. We understand each other. We love each other, even if we've never met. Like it's, it's just kind of becomes this really cool thing that I'm, I'm really lucky to be a part of. That's so cute. I love that story. <laughs> Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I, I know you don't have a lot of time left, so I want to talk a little bit about Finding Neverland before we leave. Okay, so I was in Finding Neverland for about like two years, but like the way like the tour, like it just kind of changed, you know, like I don't know if you saw it on Broadway, just like the way it changed from Broadway to tour was like, there was just another layer and level of magic and everything like that. So I have two questions for you to answer. And number one, I guess, is was this the first time like you played a mom and how was that experience like? And two, what was it like to like, not like, okay, it sounds so bad because it's like, what does it sound like to die? But like the way like it was like the glitter tornado and everything like that. Like how cool was that? Like I was with the show for two years and all I wanted to do was just step foot in that glitter tornado and I never got the chance and I was so jealous that you got to do it every night. So what is that like? Oh, man. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I think I had probably in like high school, maybe had played moms, but like, not really, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was playing moms to like my friends who were age. So (laughs) because because I usually got the older roles in high school. So I guess to answer your question, like, as a professional actor, and as like a person who actually felt like an adult (laughs) at that time, that was the first time that I had played a mom. And I was honestly terrified because I had never been in a show other than when I was a 
kid myself, I had never been in a show with children. So I was nervous that like, I wasn't going to be, I was nervous that you all weren't going to like me. <laughs> I was nervous that I wasn't going to, oh, oh, what? I wasn't, you know, I, you know, it's super weird, but I was, I was like, honestly stressed that when I met the people that I was supposed to have this close, you know, family relationship with, and I was supposed to play their mom, that they weren't going to think I was cool, that they weren't going to wow. connect with me, that I wasn't going to know how to talk to young people because I hadn't been around young people in a while. Now I'm a teacher. So, I mean, I'm an actor too, but, you know, during the pandemic and everything, right. <laughs> I've really, um, I've really leaned on, you know, my teaching and stuff. And now I think I would feel so, so, so comfortable walking in and being able to connect with kids because I do it every day. But at that time, I really hadn't in a really long time. And so I was stressed. I, I was stressed that I wasn't going to know how to be cool or how to connect. And it just wasn't the case. I mean, it was like so easy. Everyone was wonderful. And, and, you know, all all of the boys, all of you who came in and out of that show were amazing and, and warm and wonderful. And I had a great relationship with every single kid that came through that, that tour. And it, it became, it became one of my most favorite parts of the tour was working with young people. I didn't have really any experience. that, And it was my, I mean, truly like it's because it just, it gets you out of your head. There were there were moments on stage, you know, when I was like nervous about singing All That Matters or I wasn't feeling great that day or I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before or I was stressed about something in my personal life. And then to be around kids all the time that didn't carry that weight and didn't carry that stress allowed me to release it and be like, okay, well, they're all here wow. having a good time. Like they, they can get past the fact that if they make a mistake on stage or if they're not feeling great, they still just come in and do their job. You know, it's like this kid mentality that, that I, that as an, as an adult actor, I, I admire so much and it, it made my job a lot easier because then I could come in, I could see all of you and I would try to take some of your energy and release my own anxieties about whatever was going on. So it was, it became, honestly, it became my favorite part of being in that show. My second favorite part of being in that show was the glitter tornado. <laughs> because yeah. it is. Oh, good. I'm glad like, I asked both questions then. <laughs> the most beautiful thing ever. I mean, I hadn't, before I got the audition, I hadn't seen the show. So I, I knew Kevin Kern. Well, actually, I, I met him. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I met him backstage at the show, but he was in hair with my now husband. And when I got the audition, I was like, oh, I haven't seen the show. And Matt was like, oh, he was like, I'll call Kevin because he's the standby for the lead. And Kevin was like, yeah, I'm actually going to be on this Saturday. I can get her a cheap ticket. And he was like, and I'll take her backstage and stuff. I was like, great. So I went to go see the show for the first time. And when that glitter tornado happened, I was just like, I mean, my mind was blown because having already played Elphaba at that point, like I thought that nothing was going to be more iconic than you know, the it's me defying gravity moment. And then (laughs) truly, and then I saw the glitter tornado and it blew me away. I mean, I think, I truly think that it is the most magical, most beautiful spectacle I've ever seen on stage. And knowing once I got the role, knowing that I got to do that every night was super exciting. And then being in it for the first time was incredible because I knew what it looked like out into the audience and what it feels like. Yeah. It's, it's like such a perfectly crafted musical theater moment. It, it like, it brings the whole show, everything that you've been talking about 
up until that point. It's perfect for the character. The song surrounding it is beautiful. Every single person who has come in and out of her life is there. And, and, and then not to mention the fact that it's like sort of so much of the magic of that show has to do with the, the choreography of people lifting other people up so that it looks like they're flying people actually creating the magic. And that is sort of the first time that the magic is created for you without the help of the other human beings. And so it feels ethereal. It feels angelic. It feels like exactly how it's supposed to feel. It's because Diane didn't want the death to be sad. It was a life well lived. Right. You know, so... And, and it was a life magically lived and with childlike enthusiasm. And so to have the death be that beautiful, I think was just it. It there, there aren't truly, there aren't too many other musical theater moments that I can relate to it other than like something like Defying Gravity or something like Dolly descending the stairs and Hello Dolly. Those, those moments mm. are just like, they're, they're why you go into this in the first place. I mean, it was just, it was just an amazing musical theater moment that I'm so lucky that I got to be a part of, you know, and then there's the other side of it where like the dog has been on stage for the entire show and there's like dust and yeah. dog hair <laughs> and like yeah. random things that hit oh, you in the face oh. and then caught in your mouth. If you don't close your mouth at the right time. And like, there are things that were like, you know, a piece of glitter, like hits your open eyeball and stays there until you like get it out when oh. you're, <laughs> when you leave the stage with Peter Pan, you know, like there, there were definitely things like that. Is that it cold? Hilarious. Yeah, actually it is. It is kind of cold, but it's kind of nice. Yeah. I think probably my favorite, my favorite costume that I've ever gotten to wear is in Finding Neverland. It's that last costume, that super long, like yes. beautiful, comfortable silk nightgown and that really beautiful robe that goes over it. It's just like, it's so, so pretty. And it's also so comfortable. <laughs> so it was kind of, yeah. but it's not, not very breathable. So when you actually get to, to, to take off the robe and just have the nightgown on, and then like the wind kind of comes up, it kind of cools you off from having been in the show. <laughs> so it's actually kind of nice. <laughs> but, I mean, really, uh, the only thing that got tricky about it sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you put these like stirrups on underneath the uh, nightgown so that the nightgown doesn't blow over your head and make the show PG-13 as opposed to PG. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so you put on, you put on these, you know, elastic stirrup things on your legs so that it doesn't go past your knees. But every once in a while, I would either forget to put them on, which happens sometimes, or the elastics would break. And they would sometimes break because of the force of the wind. So I would have to figure out like, I would feel it happen because it would usually like snap my calf muscle. And then I would have to like quickly while, you know, oh, no. being ethereal and angelic pretending to die, like quickly step on my nightgown so that it didn't blow over my head and all of those all of those like little things that that would happen in the show were also really funny. But it was I I would love to be able to have that moment again. I remember my last show and I remember thinking like mm. I knew that tour, the equity tour, was only gonna be going on for another six months after I left. I knew that before I had my final performance with something like Wicked with Defying Gravity. I'm like, Wicked's not going anywhere. It's going to be on Broadway forever. I had so many times going back to that show 
that my last Defying Gravity never really felt like my last one, even though I may have had it already. I may never go back to that show. Right. But it never really felt like like it was definitely my last one. My last time in the Glitter Tornado, I it, the show had already closed on Broadway and the Equity Tour was closing. So I kind of knew mm. that it was that was it. Like that was the last time that I was going to feel that magical theatrical moment. And I really just tried to take it in because it, with that show in particular, I mean, there's there's only been a few of us that have played that role, you know, in in, in the way that it that it is currently. Uh, it was Laura Michelle, and she did the whole right. the whole Broadway production, and then there was me and Lael who did the equity portion, and then I think only two other girls were Sylvia on the non-equity tour. So there's only been a few of us who have actually experienced, and then, then of course, all the understudies and all of those companies. There's only a few of us who've really experienced that. So that's pretty cool too. And I, I definitely also didn't take that for granted because yeah. I knew that it was my final time. And I remember like, there's a moment where, I mean, I know you remember where, where Sylvia turns around in the glitter tornado before she goes to Peter Pan. And I remember like turning around and just looking at that cast. And I, I like, we just, like spoke to, they were all singing, but I, you know, I, I like mouth, it's I love you and everything. And everyone was crying and I was crying. And, like, and it was just like such a, it was such a cool moment. And also, I mean, I'm sure you felt this too, that tour, those people on that tour were so special. We had such a special group. Again, still another show. I'm still super close with all those those people. Between our crew and our company management and our stage management and yes. and everybody on, on stage, like we just had a really, really close knit, awesome group of people. And I was ready to leave the tour because I was ready to go home. But I I was really sad to leave that family. And yeah. and that last moment the glitter tornado is like such a a beautiful way to say goodbye both as the character and also you know in my final show as as sylvia it was just really cool i love that well (laughs) i i don't want to take up any more of your time but this has been so so much fun this has been a blast before i go can you tell everyone like your social media handle really quickly oh yeah sure my social media handle is dumb. I came up with it before I did anything. So it's <laughs> super confusing because it seems like it would be my nickname and then my last name, but I changed exactly one letter in my last name, which doesn't make any sense. Don't know why I did that, but I'm stuck with it. So it's a C Teen Dryer. It's C T E E N D R Y E R. It came from a joke in college where someone called me, <laughs> Yeah, someone called me Washer and Dwyer to be funny. And then I came up with- Oh my God. Yeah, I don't really know. It's not even really that funny of a joke. But <laughs> but then I became C-Teen Dryer on, on social media. So that's my Twitter and my Instagram. And on Facebook, you can, if you just type in C-Teen, I'm sure that I'll be the first thing to come up and you can friend me on there too. I accept everybody. I'm, I'm late to, to messages. If you're going to message me, you should message me on Instagram because that's what I check the most. <laughs> and I am on TikTok, but I haven't uploaded any videos yet because I don't really quite understand Oh my it. God, yes. Because I'm that's old so now. 
but uh, I'm going to try to figure it out and maybe maybe try to upload some videos. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Well, literally, I can't thank you enough for doing this and sharing your experiences. And it's been awesome catching up with you. Thank you for coming on. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Absolutely. No, I'm so, I was so great to hear from you the other day. And I'm so glad that I got to yeah. do this. And I'm so glad to see you again and see that, you know, you're still working just like the rest of us to to continue to <laughs> musical theater in this pandemic while it's kind of like it feels like it's, you know, not happening. But we'll be back and we'll be stronger than ever. And I'm just thank you so much for having me on. And it was great to see you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take a bow, Christine Dwyer. Oh my God. It was so great to reconnect with her. I haven't talked to her really since Finding Neverland. So just to be able to talk to her again and reconnect and ask her these types of questions was incredible. And y'all, I can't believe it because I get so sidetracked during these interviews that I lose track of time and I just enjoy it and I'm trying to like listen to what they have to say and soak it all in and I love it more than anything but I do understand that some of these go really long especially last week's episode with Lena I just lose track of time and kind of get like lost in conversation and today we couldn't even I didn't even get into waitress with Christine and I was so bummed because I know how much that show means to her because her husband was in it on Broadway and then took the leave, took like a leave from Broadway to go on tour with her and be in the tour of Waitress with her while she was playing Jenna. So that was just like such a cool thing. And I really wanted to talk to her about it. And, you know, like working with Diane Paulus again and, and, and working with Sarah Bareilles. But I still think we were able to talk about a lot of great things. I really enjoyed the episode. I love everything she had to say about Finding Neverland. I love reminiscing about Finding Neverland and kind of just revisiting those memories. After we stopped recording uh, our conversation, you know, we were kind of just thinking about all the memories that we created. And, you know, like while we were in Cleveland, Ohio, on the tour of Finding Neverland, the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago Cubs, they were in the World Series. And it was me, her, Kevin Kern, Cameron Bond, Matt Wolpe, Crystal Kellogg, and a few others. After the show, we legit busted out of our costumes and ran outside the stadium uh, in Cleveland to like be outside. And they had like this huge jumbotron because it was like the World Series. So everyone was like on the streets watching it, like trying to get as close as they can. And it was like a crazy time. And where we ended up was like where the Cubs, I believe, were able to hit the home run to tie it up and send it into extra innings. And then we were like right there where the home run, like where the ball dropped in the stands. Like it was insane. We were like right there and we got there like in the seventh inning and then watched like three innings. We watched to the 10th inning because it went into extra innings and then it started raining on us. So then we all ran back to the hotel. It was like all of these crazy memories that we were thinking about. And then like, while we were also in Cleveland, you know, the cast, we would like, obviously like we would have like some bonding time. So we would like go out to places and there was a place that was like really fun. Uh, it had like a bunch of games and it had a bunch of like beers. Obviously, I did not drink. I just want to say that. Um, but 
if you like tried all the beers that they had on tap or whatever, you get like a plaque. So the Finding Neverland touring cast like has a plaque in a random bar in Cleveland. I don't know. It was just so cool. And we were thinking about all those memories. And uh, it was really cool to just chat with her and talk about Wicked and all of that fun stuff. And hearing what she had to say about the Glitter Tornado and Finding Neverland was awesome because I was someone that was able to experience that every night. So for this week's Eli's entertainment experience, I had a Patreon question from Patrick McNamara asking what was the hardest goodbye because he was there when I had my actual hardest goodbye. So, and Christine talked a little bit about it when she was in Finding Neverland, when she was that had that last moment in the glitter tornado. And I thought this was like the perfect episode because it was similar to what Christine had to say. You know, Christine was like the Broadway production of Finding Neverland was shut down and the touring was the touring production was closing. And so that touring production, I mean, it wasn't the hardest goodbye, but I remember just sobbing because I was like, wow, this is really the last time I'm going to be able to play Peter. And I'm going to be able to visit the show again as a kid. Hopefully I get to, hopefully they revive it and I get to do it as an adult or something like that because Finding Neverland means so much to me. And I love the story, big Peter Pan fan and in general. And then just to be able to be a part of the show like that and the message that it has is, is, it's really special. And to have like, you know, Diane, just that it was the reason why I stayed in New York, similar to Christine, like, you know, she, Diane Paulus asked me, (laughs) I closed Pippin and I was heading back to West Virginia. And Diane was like, nope, can you come to Finding Neverland? And I was like, uh yeah and she literally put me in neverland because i was able to stay in new york continue to work and then all the opportunities that finding neverland presented me i was able to stay in new york and here i am now today in new york uh so one of my dear friends julius rubio who was in like on your feet finding neverland he was in the greatest showman escape to margaritaville all these shows and we're going to get him on i promise because i need to just talk to him and talk about that experience when he left, it was one of the hardest days ever. Uh, it was really like the whole day. I was just trying not to think about it. I was affected by it during school. My whole day, I was just kind of like down. And like when I got to the theater and I saw him for the first time, like I immediately started crying. Like it was so, so, so hard. I think he was actually the hardest goodbye I had to say, even harder than me leaving the show and saying goodbye. I couldn't sing When Your Feet Don't Touch the Ground. It was it was the hardest thing ever. And I was just thinking about him the entire show and kind of dedicated the show to him. And then afterwards, like, you know, like he threw like a little like last hurrah moment. And we we like planned a little matching outfit kind of thing. And we both wore like this denim on denim button down shirt with like blue jeans and like it was like a silly thing, but he and I just had like such a special relationship. Julius it was in the ensemble every night, but he was also the dance captain. So he literally taught me the show. He taught me four different roles. He taught me how to like dance, basically. Like I spent so much time with Julius, uh, especially just in general of like learning the show, but also just like the connection that we kind of like were able to create when we were in rehearsals was kind of like a brotherly like relationship. And like, ever since then we were really close and like, we did a lot of things together and we saw movies together and like all these things. And, uh, you know, he was at every rehearsal and teaching me things. And like, 
I he he always made me feel comfortable asking questions, you know, like he never allowed me to get down on myself when I was having trouble learning the dinner party dance break because I'm really not a dancer and like all of these things. And he was always so encouraging. And that was definitely the hardest one. And I think Aiden and Matthew are tied for second. Matthew Morrison leaving. Uh, he actually allowed me like he got to like pick his rotation of kids on on his final show and he you know he had me be his Peter for his final show and I thought it was the coolest thing ever and I was just like honored and it was really hard because he had become like a father figure to me because he was just so welcoming too and I, I don't know he's just someone that I looked up to and the way that he carried himself was always uh I tried to mimic in a way in, in, as like a kid and I didn't like know it at the time but like now like growing up in my career I'm like oh what did Matthew do and like how did he carry himself and I always like resort back to him and we still keep in touch to this day so he always meant a lot to me and just to be able to be there for his last show and then have people in the audience like Aiden like Julius and like all these people who like revisited the show like it just like kind of made it all even harder just to like know that this show was like so for him and it was like the best audience ever and then when he and I would sing when your feet don't touch the ground that last time we were both just sobbing and when I was able to finally hug him at the end we both like lost it and like didn't let go it was the longest time that the lighting cue kind of didn't go and they kind of just left it dark for like a moment so that we could both kind of like reconvene and get ourselves going again so that we were able to run off the stage and do the next scene it was really like a special moment and it's one that i'll never forget for sure so that's eli's entertainment experience this week and let's turn it over to the word of the day so the word of the day is is gonna be like a little like acronym i think it's called so this week's word of the week is going to be obc and so i guess it's really not one word it's kind of three words so this week's three words of the day uh is going to be obc and that stands for original broadway cast so when you like go to a show and you know you you're given playbills by the usher right and you're kind of looking through and you're like oh who's in the show like let's see and like let's read about the actors in the show and let's read about the director let's read about whoever oftentimes it'll say uh like the show title of like what they were in and then it, it may follow with OBC. And when I first went to shows, I was like, OBC, like, I don't understand. Like, what does that stand for? So I thought it was cool to address. So OBC means the original Broadway cast. And that kind of means that you were just in it from the beginning. You originated the role. You set the blueprint for it in a way. And uh, yeah, so it's just a symbol. And it's just like another cool thing to add to your resume saying that, you know, I was in this show from the very beginning. I opened the show on Broadway. I was in it when it was nominated for a Tony. I was in it when it won a Tony. So it's just like another credential to add to your resume. It's a really cool thing to have. It's also like, oh, you if you listen to the soundtrack, that's me. Um, so it's just like, it just gives you confirmation of like, you know, who was in the show when it opened on Broadway and who did all the press and all those like crazy things that you have to go through when a show opens. Um, so that's original Broadway cast and that's OBC. So when you go to your next show, when Broadway reopens, look in the playbill. I'm sure you'll find a few OBCs. And now you know what it means. So uh, you're welcome. <laughs> that That pretty much wraps it up for this week. So I know, I'm sorry that, you know, these intro and outros are long, but there's just so much to address and there's so much to talk about. I know I like to, 
you know, once I start talking, I kind of go on a tangent. But thank you all for continuing to listen to these episodes. And uh, don't forget to uh, check out our Patreon. Don't forget to follow us on social media and uh, follow us along on whatever platform you're listening to. So just uh, if you if you like these episodes, feel free to hit that subscribe button. It's not like a paid thing. It's free, I promise. Um, so don't don't uh, worry. And uh, you, you'll get like notified when new episodes come out and it, new episodes come out every Thursday. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode. Uh, I look forward to next week's episode with another great guest and a lot more news. So with that being said, have a great week. Bye, everyone. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com tab. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.